0: And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The
1: Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT here. February 2nd, as we get rolling here, the Raider off season has begun, and it's been very unique and new a new GM and a new head coach. We had the head coach Josh McDaniel's on yesterday. You can find that interview wherever you download your podcast, LV Sports Network. The Raiders put it up on the Raiders Facebook page so you can download it there and check that out. He was inter- it was interesting to talk to him. I've been doing this 25 years. I've never interviewed him. You know, even at Super Bowl media nights and events like that, never got around to meeting Josh McDaniel's and now he's here. He seems very excited. Most head coaches are, but you can tell this is a change in his life with his young family and his wife that they are open to with his friend and GM, Dave Ziegler. They are a team, and they're going to try to take the Raiders to the next level. As we've said all week, uh, several of my friends who are coaches are no longer there, and I, I feel really badly about that. It's a business. I've seen this done before. Great people, excellent coaches, who move on to other opportunities. That's the life of a coach. It's really difficult. They get good money. They work way too many hours. They're away from their family. They travel. They get home at 4 in the morning from East Coast Road Trips. They're right back in the building. I tell this story. For 17 years, I commuted to Oakland, either from Burbank or Vegas. So I would fly up there on game day or the day before, and then I would try to fly out the next morning. And when we were on the road, I was traveling with the team every week. We'd get in at midnight, 1, 2 in the morning. And I would watch these coaches literally come back to work at 4 or 5 in the morning. When I was waking up in the building, they had a bed, bed area to sleep for guys like me. You could go rest your eyes for a few minutes, and coaches would be coming through the door. I, I tell the story about Gannon all the time. The story I tell about Gannon is we landed at about 1 in the morning. And I went up to this room where they had a a cot, and I tried to sleep for an hour or two. My alarm went off at 5 a.m. to get to the airport for a 6.05 flight, and I'm waiting out there for a taxi, and Rich Gannon's coming in. I'm like, that's work. And coaches were coming in right behind him. These coaches lose their jobs. Many of them, in this instance, did a really good job. Rich Basaccia, his staff, if Gus isn't here, whoever doesn't come back, please wish them well. They were the reason we had so many great memories at Allegiant. And this year, as I'm hosting the pre and post at the M with Eric Allen, and we're watching the Raiders kick a game-winning field goal to win the game, those coaches deserve your respect. You understand it's a business, so do they. Once a Raider, always a Raider. These individuals will be welcomed back by Mark Davis for decades to come. But it's hard. It's hard for a lot of fans to kind of come to an expectation level of what's going to happen here with the coaches As they got time. You know, there's teams that still haven't hired a head coach yet. That means their whole entire staff in Houston, what's going to happen in Miami, Minnesota. They're trying to figure out a whole staff. The Raiders at least got their head coach. And we'll see what they want to do. Retaining some of the coaches here. or figuring out what they're going to do in the future. Ben Volan's going to join us in a few minutes from the Boston Globe. Great guest. I've been interviewing him a long time, and he'll get us up to speed on everything that's happening here. Brian Flores is suing the league for racism, basically, and he seems like he has a pretty good case. Earlier this morning, he was on CBS this morning, he laid out his entire case, which was pretty deep. He The key to the story is he believes that the Dolphins fired him because he didn't listen to the owner who wanted him to lose on purpose, for a bonus, so they could get a better draft pick. If that is the case, that owner, Stephen Ross, needs to lose his football team. Lose it pretty quickly and get an investigation going. Now, the NFL, it only took him two hours after this lawsuit to jump in and say that this lawsuit has no merit. Fortunately, Peter King said, how could you say that after only two hours? What are you talking about has no merit? The attorneys and Brian Flores thought through this. I don't know. There's always two sides to a story, right? We'll hear what the owner has to say in Miami. It looks like, I don't want to say dead to rights, but it looks like the Giants interviewed Brian Flores when they knew they were hiring Brian Dayball. If they did that from a business perspective, that is classless. And the Giants are one of the best-run businesses over the decades in NFL history. Please remember the Giants have won eight world championships, four NFL championships, four Super Bowls. Giants are no joke. They've been as successful as any team. They're in the number one media market. If they did this, the Wolves are at the door. That New York media, New York radio, New York Post, Daily News, they will tear that place down overnight. Watch how that develops. And then finally, Brian uh, Brian Flores talked about going to Denver where he was supposed to meet for a job that he didn't get and that John Elway came in and other executives hung over. And I talked about that last night, and I'm not going to judge another human being for being hung over. Could have been sick, could have been tired, didn't sleep well, whatever it is, but he was so offended by the lack of respect that he got from the Denver Broncos in that interview that all of this together got him to the point where he had to sue the league. Now the big question is, can he still get a job as a head coach, not only on this cycle, but in years to come? I really thought that if Gus Bradley's not going to be back here, he'd be the perfect fit because he works with Josh McDaniels. They're great friends. So I wouldn't count that out. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what uh, Mark Davis is going to do. I don't know if there's another team that's going to hire him as a defensive coordinator. My opinion, and this is just opinion on this, is that Flores, the head coach job was close to him now because his owner fired him in Miami. He knew he could get any defensive coordinator job he wanted. He's so pissed off that he can't be a head coach on this cycle, and he has to go back to being a coordinator. He said, let's just sue. Let's, let's get some attorneys together and go. This is a massive story. I'd like your opinion on it. 702-365-9200. At JTTheBrick on Twitter. And the Washington Commanders, the Washington Commanders, man's putting his son down, uh, thumbs down. My son emojied me, big L. That's what the kids say nowadays. That's a big L, dad. And doesn't like it. The Commanders. I won't tell you some of the other names that people are saying about that. But the Commanders are the name, and they retired the name Redskin, which you can have a different opinion on that. President Obama, President Bush, 41 and 43, uh, President Carter, President Clinton, President Reagan would bring the Redskins to the White House and no one was offended. Richard Nixon would have George Allen in the White House drawing up plays. No one was offended with that name. We got to the point where we deemed it offensive and now it's the Washington Commanders. As I said, I am not going to die on the hill for that topic. If people are offended by it and you want to get rid of the name, most Native Americans were not offended by it in focus groups and all of it. But the heat was coming down on Daniel Snyder. He changed the name. I will now forever call them the Washington Commanders. Out of respect, that's what they decided to do. And we'll use that name accordingly. And then finally, it's a big weekend here in Vegas. we got some great things happening. We have the NHL All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl. I'll be at the Pro Bowl. Q was at the East-West Shrine Game. He just told me he's got great sound from being at Allegiant earlier today. So all of that is happening here this weekend. As I've said all week, bring a kid to one of these events. NHL All-Star Games, is a little bit more expensive than the Pro Bowl. But if you can take some kids in the neighborhood to the skills contest over at the Las Vegas Ballpark or some of these events, this is going to bother some people. But here we go. Get off your butt. Get in the car and take your kids to these events. They want to go. If you don't want to go because you don't want to leave the couch or whatever, motivate yourself to take the kids in this community to these events so they can become better sports fans. So it's the easiest thing to do. All right, passionate Raider has been waiting. We'll get him up here to start off this hour. Go ahead.
0: Good afternoon, JT. Yeah, man, this is just another, um, it's just a sad situation again that we're talking about this. But one thing that's been going through my mind all day long as I've been listening to everyone talking about, what don't come out in the wash, it'll come out in the rinse. And, you know, I don't even know how Roger Dedell they can just jump off and say that, there's no, that this is shot down and dead. But then to say that this man will never get another shot in the NFL, what does that really say about the NFL and the shield that it stands for? Because if that's the case, there, there definitely has to be some other injunctions that happen to not make this ever happen again. And, and, and maybe it's just bringing in, and it's so sad that we have to look at color, but maybe it's just bringing in a black president because there's a commissioner because there's been so much talk since Roger Goodell with funny business with him and his cronies that maybe it's time that, I don't know how they would go about it, but to get him up out of here and, st- and start over with someone fresh, you know, because this is just ridiculous that a man of color has to go through this when he worked his whole life. We're quick. We're not, we're not quick to judge a running back of color or a wide receiver of color. But if it's a quarterback or an owner, it's always got to be a controversy. And, 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 and it is to the time now that everything we're going through in this country, it needs to end, that there's no reason we should even be talking about this. So I'm really hoping, man, I, I, I don't know about Josh and what his plans are with D.C., but I would love to see Brian Flores, silver and black hat on, busted ass on defense. That's what I'd love to see. Yeah so, man, let's make that happen, buddy. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah,
1: appreciate it. Brian Flores is a great defensive coordinator. He's a head coach. I think he would be a great asset to any team that wants a defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's going to get a head coaching position. Interviewing for New Orleans, it looks like Dennis Allen's going to get that. Looks like Harbaugh's the front runner in Minneapolis. Miami's the doors closed and Houston. Seemed to be the best fit for him. I hope he gets an opportunity. Let's stay on that as we welcome in Ben Volan, who joins us from the Boston Globe, a great insider. And, Ben, so much happening out here in Vegas with the new head coach being from the New England tree there with the Patriots that you cover. But I want to start off with Brian Flores from his commentary earlier today on CBS This Morning, the connection to you and the Patriots back in the day and how this story develops. How do you see it?
2: Yeah, it's an explosive story. And, I mean, what a day yesterday uh, in Boston. We were talking all day about Tom Brady's snub and then quickly transitioned to this explosive lawsuit. Uh, First of all, I applaud Brian Flores because, as he openly acknowledges, he may be risking his career by filing a lawsuit against the NFL. And, you know, good for him for for having the courage of his convictions and to do what he believes is right. And it is – glaring that in a league with 70 percent uh, black players that there is currently one black head coach and I, I i i'm pretty sure i heard a stat today that there are fewer black coaches right now than there were when the rooney rule was first instituted in like 2003 so i, I know there are still five vacancies open right now but you know f- for a long time pe- people have complained that the rooney rule all it does is, is provide these kind of sham coaching opportunities uh for, for coaches and brian flores believes he feels like he, you know, he's had enough and he wants to stick up for himself and, and all the other black coaches. So I definitely applaud him uh, for, for having the courage of his convictions and, and risking it all because he's, I mean, he's only 40, 41 years old. He, he's got a promising, I think, career ahead of him. And, and this is going to be, uh, you know, perhaps difficult to, to come back from, at least in the NFL. So I, I give him a lot of credit. You know, Bill Belichick's text message was, I don't think he's being accused of doing anything wrong. He, he mm-hmm. just uh, his, his mishaps with his text messages kind of alerted Brian Flores to the fact that his Giants interview might be a sham. So, you know, the NFL is going to fight this in court hard, but, um, you know, that that's an explosive uh, kind of headache for the NFL. And then the allegations that Stephen Ross was offering 100 grand for every loss to tank a season, that's another major headache. So Brian Flores just plopped a whole big set of problems into the NFL's lap.
1: Yeah, and as we know that Brian Flores was on CBS this morning, earlier today, and I'll just say this, he was buttoned up, he had his attorneys there, he went on a big platform. If it turns out that Stephen Ross did this and there's evidence, he's done. There's zero chance that an NFL owner can survive this, period, especially with the gambling connection, integrity issues. It's almost like a Pete Rose baseball issue on gambling and sports when you look at you know, paying a coach to tank games. So, for Flores to sit in that on that uh, news set this morning in New York City with his attorneys there, ready to present that, what do you think is going on with Stephen Ross and his attorneys down in Miami?
2: You, you can hear them nervously uh, biting their fingernails over this one. Uh, not just Ross, but uh, first of all, Hugh Jackson, the former uh, Browns head mm-hmm. coach, he also has come out on Twitter and said. That the Browns paid him, gave him bonuses to tank games, and the director, the executive director of his foundation, is tweeting we have, you know, proof of this and, and everything. And St- uh, Brian Flores went on TV today and said, you know, they have proof that Stephen Ross offered $100,000 for each loss. Uh, you know, they didn't offer it, so we'll see what what the proof is, and whether it's truly, you know, rock solid or not. But uh, I mean, there could be federal, you know, investigations. Congress could get involved, racketeering, match-fixing. This is this is bad stuff for not just Stephen Ross but the NFL. So, um, you know, I reached out to an NFL spokesman this morning to see if they have a comment on anything. And usually you get an answer pretty quickly in return, and I got nothing this time cricket. So I think everyone's very nervous about, I mean, not only the lawsuit, you know, alleging uh, racial animus in, in hiring practices, but the the, the tanking allegations are pretty – can open a whole different can of worms for the NFL and 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 for Stephen Ross, of course. So yeah, this is this is a major bombshell being um, sent out by Brian Flores with perfect timing—the start of Black History Month and with yeah. the NFL about to you know start at Super Bowl week and, and have all kinds of uh, media
1: coverage. One great guest to have on from the Boston Globe, also a contributor on WeeI NBC Sports Boston, been covering the NFL since 2007. Then I want to stay with Belichick in the Texas. If he made a mistake thinking he was texting Brian Dayball instead of Brian Fl- Flores, for some it's hard to believe because it's Bill Belichick. It's his phone. It's his texting. You look down. It should be easy to say if I was texting you today and you were texting me back, I think we'd both understand who was on the text. But my bigger picture is, you know, growing up in New York as a giant fan as a kid, The Mara connection with Belichick is fascinating to me because of Joe Judge, Brian Flores, the interviews in the past. Everybody who's come from New England, Mara more so than Mr. Tish, is enamored with Bill Belichick, could never get him to be the head coach. And I look here and I wonder how much the Giants talk to Belichick about these moves in the past and how much Belichick knows about the Giants and the moves they're making. Is that fair to bring up?
2: I mean, I think when it comes to the coaching cycle, Belichick's a, li-
1: a little bit of a kingmaker. And, mm-hmm. you know, not
2: for yeah. every team, but, you know, a guy like him who's been around for 40-something years and as, you know, <laughs> well-connected and as well-respected as he is. Um, you know, and he he does have a special relationship with the Giants. He, he's, he always has fond memories of there. I, I assume his relationship with John Mara is, is very strong. Um, but, I, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it being too cozy of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess only if his, if the giants keep hiring guys, he recommends and they keep failing like Joe judge did. Maybe, maybe you could be worried about it, but I, I just think Belichick uh, when it comes to placing guys in jobs is at the stage of his career where he, he like I said, he's like a kingmaker. where he, uh, I think a lot of people want to seek his advice. And of course he's going to hear the rumors and, and kind of know what's going on. And um, I, I have a little bit of a different read, you know, mm-hmm. it's being, Uh, the narrative that he, you know, meant to text Brian Dable, but instead texted Flores, which actually is kind of on brand for him because he always does struggle with technology. But you go back and read it. It looks like he meant to text Flores the whole time, but he said, I double-checked and I misread the text. I think they're naming Dable. So I think he just misread the original. Whoever told him what was happening, he probably said, yeah, Brian's getting the job. I think he thought that was Brian Flores, not Brian Dable. So he started texting Flores, and that's when all the confusion started. So it's not a huge part of the story, but I just – that's part of the narrative that I I have a little bit of a different take from
1: everyone else. Yeah, Ben Volan's our guest. So I interviewed Josh McDaniels yesterday. You know, I'm with the Raiders and had his first radio interview, and he seems really excited about this. And you covered – Josh McDaniels as good as anybody since you've been covering New England sports, Boston, and the Patriots. What do the Raiders have to look forward to with him and Dave Ziegler working together? You know what happened with the Raiders last year. Henry Ruggs III, the issues with some players off the field, but they won 10 games. Why would Josh McDaniels want this job, 10-win team, compared to a four or five win team where the pressure isn't on to win 11 games in year one and come on in and build it that way. Were you surprised that he was the choice and he's so excited and he wants to be here in Las Vegas? How do you see it? Uh, I'm not surprised that he decided to jump at the opportunity.
2: Uh, I guess in one sense, I'm a little surprised that the Raiders, you know, McDaniels hasn't gotten a a ton of buzz the last few years and, and the Raiders, I would think had their choice of coaches, but I'm not surprised that they landed on Ziegler and then McDaniels. I think it's an excellent combination. Uh, you heard Mark Davis say it in the press conference that just, you know, McDaniels and the Patriots' ability to adjust and change the plan of attack week to week, you know, half by half, series by series, I think is what impressed the Raiders the most. And, uh, you know, I, you have to be impressed with what they got out of Mac Jones and the offense this year. Which by the end of the season, it was kind of revealed—not not the most explosive, you know, offense. A bunch of number two and three receivers, and yet the Patriots still were top ten in, in points. Made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, Mac Jones had by far the, the best season of all the rookie quarterbacks. You know, McDaniel's been doing it for a long time, even though he's still relatively young. He's been a coordinator for over a decade. Um, so the, the Raiders, uh, yeah, there is going to be pressure to win, but. To me, that job is about the quarterback, and I think they've got a pretty good one there in in Derek Carr, someone um, really, I think, just entering the prime at, at, what is he, 30, 31 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, uh, of all the openings, Derek Carr and some talented players around him, that's more important than maybe what the team's record was last year. So, yeah, there will be some uh, expectations and pressure to succeed right away. But Mark Davis also seems like a guy who wants to give his coaches some breathing room, so uh, you know the Raiders can't afford to take a major step back next year. But I like the hiring of Josh McDaniels, and I think uh, he'll
1: bring some some good things to that organization. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is a long term hire here to get the GM and the head coach together working going forward, and this is a good package deal. As we're wrapping it up with Ben Volan. Ben, wanted to uh, stay one more time on on Brian Flores. I want to wrap it up with that because it's such a huge story that for a guy who you think he's really pissed off because he doesn't want to be a coordinator, once you get that taste of being a head coach and you're in charge of the coordinators and you walk into booster you know, fan appreciation days and you're hanging out in Miami and you're a rock star because you're the head coach, I just thought maybe for one year he would have to be a coordinator. It could be in Vegas. It could have been in Indy. Anywhere. Was he too proud? And I think, again, very bitter, and I was very impressed with this presentation this morning. But this is a guy now that could still coach in this league. Do you think there'll be a strong owner that'll say, even with this lawsuit, even with my other partners, owners in the league, I'm going to step up and give this guy a head coaching job? Uh, so, so a few things there. I mean, first of all, yeah,
2: you know, he got fired, but just because you get fired doesn't mean you can't get a job right away. Um, Chip Kelly got the Niners job right away. Adam Gase went from the Dolphins to the Jets. What what did he prove? Brian Flores, I think he was most upset. I don't want to speak for him. I I don't truly know, but I I can tell from the lawsuit, he's upset he got fired. He's the first Mm -hmm. coach in the Dolphins history since 2003, I think, to have back-to-back winning seasons. And he, you know, his owner wanted to pay him to tank. And um, they gave him a quarterback he didn't really want in Tua. And, I think he's ticked off that he got fired and didn't think it was right, and then, and then he finds out that his uh, interview with the Giants most likely is a sham, and I think it it set him off, and I think rightfully so. It's you know the, these owners, the Rooney Rule is, is there, but if they're just going to use it to check some boxes and, and use it as a sham, I, I think you know that real change does need to happen. Um, and I, I apologize. There, there was one more point. Can you repeat that last question, please?
1: No, but, but yeah, basically about an owner being courageous enough through this process okay. to say, I'm going to do this because it's going to take a lot of guts from an owner because the partners around the league, we know how the league has run over the years. We've been doing this a while.
2: No, no question. Uh, the lawsuit, is, is and if Flores has acknowledged that, it might make it very difficult for him um, to, to get an employment again in the NFL. The league does not – look too kindly upon people who sue the league Uh, that said look at some of the response so far Um, you know guys like Nate Solder, Devin McCourty have come out uh, overwhelmingly supportive of Brian Flores and I was on the radio here in Boston with Mm. with former Patriots tight end Christian Fourier yesterday and he was like if I'm a player I love Brian Flores you know he, he refuses to tank and he backs us up and You know, I think that he brings up a good point, and now he's leading this lawsuit. I mean, I think players are going to line up to want to play for this guy. So a smart owner might look at that and say, you know what? You know, our guys are going to play hard for him. This is a man of principle and and a good leader. So, um, you know, and and there's also the angle. You know, the NFL is already known as having blackballed Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the league wants to be known as the league that – blackballed Brian Flores as well. Maybe, maybe eventually there is a little bit of pressure to, to give him another opportunity. So uh, certainly suing the league is not the best for your career prospects, mm-hmm. but uh, who knows? I think this is a very multi-layered story. And, uh, again, I do think a lot of players uh, are really impressed and, and would love to play for Brian Flores right now.
1: Ben, great catching up with you. I really appreciate your content all the years and love having you on radio. Thanks for doing this. All right, JT. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Excellent. Good content right there. He had a lot to say on this. And the guy who knows Brian Flores, Josh McDaniels, everybody involved here, including Bill Belichick and what's going on with Bill Belichick. Oh, we're here for Remy Martin on February 13th. The Botanist Gin will be showcasing their first big game TV campaign to continue their partnership with the Independent Restaurant Coalition to show support for real restaurants and bars struggling during the pandemic. Remy Martin, team up for excellence, our proud partner as we head to the Super Bowl. JT, back with you as we continue. Busy show today. Real busy show, and I get a chance to bring in Bill Williamson, longtime Raider insider, and we have him on all year long. Bill, I was going to give you a break for a little bit as we do this. Uh, I was talking to you before the Super Bowl and then maybe uh, restart the offseason, but the breaking news on the coach and the GM you've been covering this team for over 25 years. What do you think of their overall press conference and their message?
3: Well, you know, it was certainly interesting. It was certainly a, you know, a lot of people call this a home run hire, a high-profile hire. I certainly think it's high-profile. We'll see on the home run. You just never know. Um, everybody thought Gruden was going to be a home run, right? So you never know. But it was a somewhat of a splash. I mean, this is a guy that a lot of eyes have been on. talking about McDaniels, of course, for the last several years, and he lands in Las Vegas. Um, Mark Davis, you know, he, he wants... Guys, he wants to win. They all want to win, but I think his, Excuse me has shown in these last two hires that he's willing to to pay big name guys and to allow them to do their thing. So, you know, it's going to be another fascinating offseason with the Raiders. It seems to be every year, but now look, totally new storylines and totally different ways it's going to happen. So, um, just really interested to see what happens next because I do I just have a feeling because of the Raiders with history and with Josh McDaniel's history it's not going to be a boring option
1: yeah it's not going to be boring at all what's your speculation what do you think about what you heard in regards to the future of Derek Carr with these two and taking his game to the next level looming with that one year with this which is not a lot of guaranteed money on the contract going forward
3: yeah, I mean, I can see. I, you know, I, want, I kind of hesitate to answer this question because I can see anything happen. And when you say anything, you know, that means he's not there. But I don't want to go that deep into it because I'm not sure if how real that of a possibility that it is. But I'll just say, if he isn't a Raider this year, I don't think my mouth would be agape. I don't think I'd be stunned. Not necessarily expecting it. Um, you know, I covered I covered the Broncos and Josh McDaniels was there the last time. One of the reasons why they hired him was because they wanted him to coach a 25 year old Jay Cutler who just made the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. was third in the NFL in 45 yards pass, 4,500 yards passing. That's why they one of the big reasons why they picked him. And Jay Cutler never played a down for Josh McDaniels, so. I'm just going to see what happens. Again, without causing speculation, I'm just
1: going to see what happens because who knows. Bill Williamson is our guest. So let's talk about Dave Ziegler and what you think his number one priority must be right now. Let's take the quarterback out for a second because I think we both believe he's going to be here. If you look at the rest of the contracts that are up on these one-year deals and people that are up at the end of the season, is that going to be a bigger priority for him than the draft? and figuring out what they're doing with a later first-round pick and the guidance going forward. How do you see it? Well,
3: you know, I think it all works in concert. Um, You know, I I think Max Crosby, if I was in those guys' shoes, I would look at Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro right away. I think those are priorities, even maybe uh, definitely over any pending free agency. Most of their pending free agents are peace guys. Certainly important, but... These guys are foundation guys, and they can and they can be signed now. So my view, and I think both of those guys really fit into what you know the Patriot way, because this is going to be a Patriot like team. At this, the way it is, um, those two guys kind of fit fit that mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. I think I think Hunter Renfro. I mean. That has to be one of the more exciting pieces yeah. for Josh McDaniels to, to to come in and get his hands on. So I would sign those guys. Um, and, and then I expect a lot of former Patriots to be on this team this year. You know, what's a lot? three, five, six? I don't know. But there was a lot of Gus Bradley guys on this team last year. There was a lot of Paul Gunther guys on this team four years ago. That's what happens. And I think that you're going to see – Patriots and former Patriots, you know whether they were a Patriot last year or a Patriot two three years ago on this team this year. Again, I don't know how much how many of them, but there's the Josh McDaniels, David Ziegler, the, excuse me, thumbprint <laughs> is going to be on this team very much. I expect them to really, you know, put their imprint right away on what's going on here.
1: Bill Williamson's our guest, longtime Raider insider, NFL insider. Bill, I think the staff is what's most interesting, alarming to some, or what could happen. They get a chance to build their own staff. That's what new GMs and head coaches do. I'm really going to count on you for this going forward on what you're hearing, what your sources around the league, how many of the current Raider coaches will interview to stay, how many will be let go, and others who are just trying to get ahead of this. By putting feelers out and getting jobs around the league, what are you hearing? Yeah, I know
3: he's starting. Uh, he's starting to talk to you guys now. I think we're going to hear more in the next. By the end of the week, I thought it was you know for people who want the Raiders to keep some of that twenty-one staff, it was very encouraging that Edgar Bennett is staying the wide receiver coach. Mm-hmm. I think that's significant for a few reasons. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had, there, this is going to be yet another offense, right? But mm-hmm. this, to keep some continuity for the receivers. They know this guy, this will be his fifth year. It also shows that Josh McDaniels is open to keeping some of these guys, and I think that's a good sign for him and his maturity as a head coach and comfort level, and I think it was a wise move. So we'll see how many other guys stay. I mean, I think everything's on the table right now. not saying the entire staff by any means,
1: but we may see some familiar names stay. And I think it's going to be really interesting back to the offense with Carr and McDaniels on how to not so much simplify the offense, we both know it was a very complex, very detailed, many more plays than the typical offense which was built by John Gruden and taken over by Greg Olson. So we know how the depth of that knowledge that Carr has All I really care about as a fan from that perspective is how do you play faster? We talked about it all year. How do you play more up-tempo? How does the ball come out quicker? How do you get back to the ball quicker and run a faster offense that we've seen Tom Brady do? And he wasn't any more athletic as Derek. They just ran better up-tempo and hurry-up offenses. And I would hope that Josh McDaniels is planning on doing that. Yeah, you know, we're
3: going to see a modern NFL offense without a doubt. You know, I think some people were kind of, uh, Green's doing the same old stuff. Well, you know, Josh McDaniels hasn't been a head coach in twelve years, but he's been in the NFL all of those twelve years. So we're we're gonna see. It's gonna be a well run offense. It's gonna be a smart offense. That's not that's not the part to worry about. I don't think the risk part in it and there's risk in every, you know, new coach you, you hire, but the risks that are involving Josh McDaniels aren't play calling and on the field. I think we'll see a pretty smooth offense.
1: And finally Bill, I wanted to get your opinion on Brian Flores and the lawsuit against the NFL. You've been covering the league a long time. Yeah. You know a lot of the players here and this is important. I don't think Stephen Ross will be able to keep the team if the allegations are true that he supported tanking for draft picks. No way, but I don't know what that evidence would be unless he was taping him or there's a corroborating witness. But. What should we look forward to next with this story?
3: Um, you know I, I think this is a story that's not going to go away it, it, it just has a, a story that a lot of people around the reader are saying maybe one of the most important stories you know off field stories in, in in quite some time and it, and it could lead to some change and it's gonna it's gonna be very uncomfortable for a lot of people and you know if, if you look at the allegations there's some really rotten things that allegedly went on and i think you hit it with Steven Ross. I mean, this goes beyond, you know, paying a guy to tank, and that's not the whole story of the lawsuit, obviously, but that is certainly could lead to some serious change. And and you know, the, the story about the Denver brass coming in late and looking like they had, you know, drank the night before. What that what that does is just shows the, the example there is that. Not all of these interviews, these Rooney rule interviews are taken serious if that's if those allegations are true. So those that's where the change really has to has to happen, you know. Um, really heartbreaking lawsuit, to tell you the truth, you know. Yeah. Not I don't know if it's necessarily surprising, but just really freaking sad to to read those allegations in print.
1: Bill Williamson from SB Nation. Thank you, Bill. We'll talk to you. Thanks for the time today on short notice. All right, JT. anytime. Bill yeah. Williamson, yes, covering the Raiders for 25 straight seasons. And uh, nice job. Look, th- it is disturbing what we're dealing with today with Brian Flores. No one wants to see this happen. No rational good person wants to see a lawsuit like this against the sport that ties us all together. You know, the, the sport that ties us all together. We're all NFL fans. For obvious reasons, we don't want to see chaos. We don't want to see lawsuits. We don't want to see issues that deal with race in a negative light. But that's the world we live in today. And that's what we're seeing today with Brian Flores. And when I woke up early this morning to turn that show on and watch intently, I was pretty impressed with the way Brian Flores laid it out with his attorney sitting at the table with him. This is a big time lawsuit. And John Gruden's got a lawsuit pending. And when you're a football coach, you don't want to get paid money and never coach again. I know that to be a fact. Everybody says, well, I'll never have to work again. They'll get this money. and That's not what they want. They want to work again. They want to make $6, $8, 10000000 a year being a head coach. They don't want to pay out from the league for $35 million and never work again. That, that, that's what they want to do. They don't want to have to pay attorney fees and not be able to coach again. It's about clearing their name. The same thing with Deshaun Watson. What he allegedly did with these women when it came to massages. If he did it, he's done. If he didn't do it and there's some extortion and people trying to get money from him, why is it taking so long to clear his name? Why are we waiting another year for this? I don't understand. He's got Rusty Harden as an attorney. The guy who handled Roger Clemens and some big names. I don't know why it's taking this long. But these backstories in the NFL are disturbing. Because we just came off the greatest playoffs of all time going into the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl has a lot to live up to. Also, Hugh Jackson accuses the Browns of offering money to lose in 2016 and 2017. Hugh Jackson, someone I know, not not really well, but know on a personal basis here, an acquaintance. And this is what he thinks. Hugh Jackson, former head coach of the Raiders. He's got a big job in college now. And he's accusing the Browns of offering money to lose. Can you understand what's happening today? I know you can. We could be dealing with two ownerships the Browns and the Dolphins knowingly. That's what I always use when I talk to them about the steroid use in the steroid era. Did you knowingly put steroids in, or did you take something wrong? Which is very rare. People, the highest trained athletes, bodybuilders, Super professional athletes know what they're putting in their body. But from time to time, there's a mistake. You hear that all the time. An Olympian or someone puts something in their body while they're training, and it turns out that there's a – it triggers a positive test, and they go, I didn't know I did it. But when you're thinking about owners saying lose on purpose so we can get a better draft pick, those owners must be removed because of gambling. You're changing the integrity of the game. You're forcing the outcome of the game in a negative light. You have to be removed. Could we be sitting here six months from now saying that the Cleveland Browns and the Miami Dolphins need new ownership on top of the Broncos being for sale and the Seahawks? There's 32. That could be four teams with big change <coughs> Excuse me, in ownership. Incredible what's happened today. Never expected to see this Brian Flores story, but we're covering it the way we should, and we're also talking about exactly what's happening with the Raiders And their new staff as we're brought to you by Modelo. The fighting spirit of Modelo. After looking at Facebook stock today, I think I should be drinking a case of Modelo's today. Or watching the after hours of the tech market today. If you did not see that, if you did not see that today, then I'll just leave it at that and go enjoy the rest of your day. We'll wrap it up next. Wrapping it up today. Thanks to DeMond for filling in for Bobby. Hope everybody has a good day today. Big week. So I guess next week we'll be in L.A. I'll be there Tuesday through Friday. As I said, and I put up in my Facebook page, if you can check that out at JT the Brick, the complete focus for me right now because we had a chance to talk to the head coach, hopefully the GM here soon. Uh, The Pro Bowl's coming up. I'll be at the Pro Bowl on Sunday. Uh, We'll talk about the black hole. The black hole is throwing a great party there that I'll tell you about before I get out of here. But the issue for me is all about Cliff Branch. That's where my head is at. That's where my mind is at now, counting down to Thursday. Now, typically, the Hall of Fame announcement is made the day before the Super Bowl at NFL Honors. They moved it up to Thursday. So a week from this Thursday will be the announcement, and it better be the announcement that we wait for. It's got to be the announcement that we wait for, which is Cliff Branch. And if Cliff Branch gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it'll be one of the greatest moments of my life. really is. I'm dead serious. I wasn't uh, involved with the Raiders when Fred Bolitnikoff and Howie and all those gentlemen got in the Hall of Fame. To be there for Snake, to be there for Tom Flores, to have a chance to go back for Cliff and to talk about it on the show and get all of his teammates on, really big ding. Really big deal that we're waiting for next week. Raider five six two. Thanks for waiting. What's happening? Hey, how's it going, J T. Doing good, thanks. Thank you for taking
4: my call. Um, man, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic of the direction that we're that we're headed with the new uh the new era, I like to say. Uh, I think I think uh it's gonna tell us a lot by the moves that they're make that they make and uh who they bring in. I think that's going to tell us a lot in what direction that they're headed. Um, and, and I love, it. I love the direction they're headed. So um, as far as the uh, Brian Flores thing, I, I, I I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's always been there, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, he tried to pull back the curtain a little bit a while back, you know, those things are there. They're underneath the surface. You know what I mean? It's, it's uh, unfortunate. And the thing with racism is that, you know, you, it, it's hard to prove, you know, those things are hard to prove. And unless he has some type of concrete um, evidence of like, you know, this guy said this mm-hmm. and, you know, and to show, then it's going to be hard for him to prove it. And it's unfortunate that it will be something that would end his career and that we even got to talk about ending his career because he's, You know showing uh shining a light on things that are wrong um and the only way it's going to change and i think one of your colleagues spoke on it once before is that if you know you attack their pockets and if you have other people that are in power that speak to power because power can only speak to power and that's the only way things are going to change
1: i appreciate the call uh change is going to come about here something big's coming because if the NFL is able to win and throw this out with no merit, that's going to be a major step backwards for Brian Flores and a lot of people who are fighting fighting this battle. That's why so many people are going to come together behind Coach Flores and the decision that comes up here in a little bit. I'm just troubled by it because I'm very comfortable talking about race on all my platforms. Because of, if you know me, you know what I think on this topic. I built a 25-year radio career, but over 50 years of believing this in my life. And I am deeply offended by this. And if these allegations are correct, very hard to handle today. Saul, you're up next. Thanks for calling. Appreciate you.
5: Yes, sir. Good afternoon, JT. What's happening? No, no, much. Just wanted to uh, give you my two cents. Uh, as far as the direction we're going, I think with the new hires, I think it was a uh, it was a great. It's going to be a great fit for us. I think this is going to be the push we need, uh, offensive wise, and also uh, coaching wise and GM wise to get us to the next level, which is where we all know we want to be at, which is a Super Bowl and and being in the playoffs consistently and and making it that Raider name greater. Mm-hmm. And I think we got the two right guys for it. Um, you know, as far as NFL, just listening to you guys on the radio and and all the reports coming in. It just has me thinking, like, you know, with the NFL, you know, supposedly doing this intentionally to us, we don't know that. That's just hearsay, conspiracy thinking. But when they said, you know, they let the emails specifically for John and 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 to kind of put a, you know, uh, a little kink into the Raiders season, which was a little kink, but it turned out to be a big, big deal for us. But we still got through it. And it's funny how the universe comes back now. And now the the it's on the other hand, and now the NFL is dealing with with this situation. And honestly, you know, I think another caller had mentioned it. I think we do need a person of color inside mm-hmm. in a higher position like Gridow's position because you know you, I don't know how much you know you want to get into it, but you know he's paid mm-hmm. to take care of the NFL. You know he's paid to make problems like this go away. And so I think, you know, with all this going on under his watch, I think it's time for a change. And I think I think the league needs to do something about it and they need to make a big change because putting a band-aid over it is not going to help this time.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Roger Goodell works for the owners, and he's done a really good job for the owners in making the money and the billions upon billions of more money since he's been the commissioner and a lot of good that he's done. But this would be a tremendous black eye to the league. You know, there are other different circumstances that didn't have to deal with racial issues. Gate, Spy Gate, other issues. This has to do with race. And I was talking to my dad about it today. Roger Goodell has always been, I believe, a forward thinker when he's dealing with these players, the players going forward, on racial issues. He's always been up front talking about it. He did that after the summer of George Floyd. He was very outspoken about this. But this is a different issue now because it's an owner. It's a white owner potentially telling a black head coach to lose games on purpose for draft picks. I mean, that's outlandish. I never thought we'd have a story like this. Look, tanking in college basketball is one thing. you, know, you got a kid in college who is dealing with a bookie and he's getting behind on gambling and he misses a couple of free throws. This is the NFL. This is, this is much bigger. This could hit the integrity of the league. Hey, the big game viewing party with the Black Hole, Tropicana, Sunday, February 13th. The Black Hole is hosting. If you want a great party, this is the place you need to be at. All the details will be up at all the Black Hole platforms. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're looking for a party for the big game, the Trinidad Ballroom inside Tropicana with my great friends of the Black Hole. That's it. Damon. thanks for doing everything you did today. All of our guests, we appreciate it. Cute's coming up, and then Vinny will be back here tomorrow, probably covering this Brian Flores story and more to it and more on the Raider offseason. Have a great night, everybody.